It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. On Thursday, July 7, the Montreal Canadiens are going to be hosting the NHL draft at the Bell Center. The last time they did, the fans were chanting, Louie, Louie when the Canadians were set to make their first pick 18th overall. Louis LeBlanc was drafted by the Montreal Canadiens. Unfortunately, things didn't pan out the way either party wanted them to. Only 50 games in the National Hockey League, five goals, five assists, 10 points. He's been retired since 2016. He'll talk to us about the pressures of being drafted by the Montreal Canadiens, of playing in Montreal, and things he may have wished he would have done differently. It's the sick podcast. It's brunching with Marinero. Louis LeBlanc is coming up. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Marinero. The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. Now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Sports Entertainment like no other. Brought to you by 8.6 Beer. Intense by nature. And good Sunday morning. Marinaro, the sick podcast brought to you by 8.6 Beer. Intense by nature. The beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark. And uh, it's almost here. It's Sunday. And uh, the draft goes this Thursday, July 7th and 8th. Thursday, of course, is going to be round one. And then Friday is going to be round two all the way until the end. And it's, you know, we're going to have the sickest draft party that you've ever seen. And we're going to have it at La Cache at the Centre Bell starting at 6 p.m. on Thursday night. RSVP because your spots are limited. You're going to have to RSVP with Lacage at the Bell Center. The last time the Montreal Canadiens hosted the NHL draft was in 2009. I was there. Uh, I was um, sitting in the stands or actually, you know, uh, I don't even know if it was a stands. There were tables set up actually for the media. And uh, when the Canadians were set to make their, their pick, Uh, there was still um, a young man from Kirkland, Quebec that was on the board. And with the fans chanting, Louis, Louis, Trevor Timmons went up and he made the pick. Louis LeBlanc drafted by the Montreal Canadiens. He joins me today. Louis, good morning. Good morning, Tony. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for doing this. Uh, I would imagine that uh, with the Canadiens hosting the draft on Thursday, you're a pretty popular guy right about now, and I'm probably not the first one to reach out to you, am I? 
you're not, but uh, I'm happy to be on the show and th- thanks for having me. You're very, very welcome, Louis. Um, let's let's go back. You're playing with the Omaha Lancers in the USHL, 59 points in 60 games. Scouts coming to see you for sure, talking to you, talking to your coaches. At the time, did the Montreal Canadiens come see you? Did they pull you aside? Did they talk to you prior to the draft? Yes, they, they did. You know, that, that year in Omaha, um, there was a player named Danny Cristo who was drafted by the Canadians already. So Trevor Timmons, um, you know, came to Omaha a few times to see Danny obviously play and then, you know, do his, his scouting duties as, as he would. So I think Trevor obviously came to, to Omaha a couple times that year, and I did speak to him once during the season. But that, that was about it. You know, um, you know, I ended the season in Omaha and then the Combine – was in Toronto that year. I think it's in Buffalo now. But anyways, b- back then it was in Toronto and I had met with basically every team. I'd met with the Canadians, um, but I had no um, inclination that they were going to pick me. I actually had better, not better meetings, but just better conversations with other teams, you know, like Buffalo Sabres at 13 and Anaheim Ducks at 15 and um, had really good meetings and then um, left Buffalo, uh, left Toronto and then went back home and then waited for the draft in June, essentially. Every player that goes to the draft, the first thing is they just want to get drafted. They want to play in the National Hockey League. The second thing is, if they can, they like to go to a place that they'd like to go to. Uh, did you want to be a Montreal Canadian? I did. I mean, growing up in Montreal, you know, I'll go to the Molson Center uh, with my dad, watch games. Um, you know, you don't you don't really believe that that's going to happen one day. But as a kid, you're you're allowed to dream and. Um, it was my dream to play in the NHL, but then, of course, playing for the Montreal Canadiens was, you know, something that I would, you know, I was, I was hopeful for. But, you know, as a kid, you're never, you never know how good you are, and you never know how things are going to turn out. So, um, you know, I had that dream in mind, but yeah, I mean, I, it was becoming more of a reality as, as I progressed through hockey and as I, you know, played midget and I was a, you know, dominant player, and then I got, you know, went to Omaha and did, did well there. So. You know, as, as the years go on, you you kind of see where you, you might fit in and into an organization. Let's bring up the list of the top 30 that were selected the year you were drafted in 2009. All right. So there you have it. John Tavares, number one with the New York Islanders. Victor Hedman, number two with Tampa Bay. Matt Duchesne at three with Colorado. Evander Kane, four, Atlanta. Braden Shen, five, Los Angeles. Oliver Ekman Larson, six, Phoenix. Nazem Kadri, seven with Toronto. Uh, Scott Glennie, number eight with Dallas. Jared Cowan, number nine with Ottawa. Edmonton, and number 10, takes Magnus Pujarvi. Uh, uh, Pujarvi, pardon me. Uh, at number 11, Nashville takes Ryan Ellis. There's a pretty good pick, huh? At 12, the Islanders take Calvin DeHaan. 13, the Buffalo Sabres. You said that you had a conversation with the Buffalo Sabres. It sounds like uh, at number 13, if you were available, that you were going to go there. What happened? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the day before the draft, I had actually two meetings, one with Buffalo and one with Anaheim, and they both said, if you're available tomorrow at 13 or 15, we're picking you, right? So, wow. I mean, I guess what must have happened is, obviously, Zach Cassian, I think it was Holland, were, were ahead of me. They didn't get picked by another team. So I got it. I mean, I mean, I'm guessing that's what happened. I mean, yeah, I, I everyone follows their list, right? They yeah, scratch exactly. off names, and when it's their turn, the guy who's at the top of their list is the guy right. that they end up picking. 
Yeah, in theory, I think that's how it works. So those two guys must have been obviously higher than me in, on their list, and they didn't get picked. So, you know, the cards didn't, didn't play out the way they thought it would. But, um, yeah, I was still available at 18. But honestly, after 15, I had no idea where I was going. I knew Pittsburgh at 30th had told me, we wish we could draft you, but you're, you're not going to be there at 30. So, you know, good luck in the draft. You know, we'll, we'll take you if you're at 30, but you probably won't be there. So that, that was the only um, point of reference that I had, you know, but yeah, after 15, I had no clue where I was going. So they're born in Point Claire, living in Kirkland, uh, grew up a Canadians fan, watched a lot of games in the Molson Center. You're there with your family. The Canadians have the pick at 18. The place is chanting Louie Louie. Do you feel excited inside or do you feel like throwing up at that point? Like, you know, talk to me about the yeah. nerves, whether they were, it was anxious energy or whether you were really nervous about the way things were going down. I think it was a bit of both. I mean, I was kind of numb, you know, to be honest, you know, when, when they were chanting my name and I, I didn't know if Trevor was going to draft me. Right. Like I had no idea. So, but then when I, when I did hear the, the Omaha answers, I, I knew it was me. So um, it was a relief. Uh, but, you know, obviously my life changed, you know, for forever at, at that moment. Let's uh, let's try and live that moment of you being selected once again, 13 years later. Let's do it right now. All right, there you have it. Oh, my God, Louis, 13 years later, I feel like I'm going to cry. I mean, like, what a what a beautiful moment. I mean, can you begin to put into words what it feels like to be drafted by a National Hockey League team after all the years of minor hockey, your parents driving you here, there, and everywhere, every game, every practice, every tournament, playing through bumps and bruises? You know, could you begin to put into words what it feels like to be drafted. Yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely hard. There's not one word that describes a moment like that. I think it's a culmination, like you said, of, of all the hard work and the sacrifices that my parents have done, you know, mostly my parents, right? If my, if my parents didn't bring me to hockey, I wouldn't, wouldn't be here today and I wouldn't have that draft day. So it was a moment that I was proud of. Um, and I was relieved, right? Like as a player, you never know, <laughs> You, you want to get drafted, but you just don't know where you're going to get drafted. So I was relieved, but I knew I knew the work that was ahead of me, right? Like, it, it only starts on draft day. It's not an end, right? So 
um, you know, I enjoyed that day. I enjoyed that night. I enjoyed the next few days. But then, you know, a few days later, a few weeks later, I was at development camp in Brossard. And, you know, the spotlight was on me. Expectations were set. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a fantastic night for sure. Before we get to that development camp, we're going to go through your memory bank for a second here, okay? Uh, what happened from the moment you were drafted for probably the next 48 hours? How much of it do you remember? Do you remember? Like, what did you do? You get drafted. You go do the interviews. You meet with the media. You meet with the yeah. Canadians. Did you talk to Trevor Timmons? Did you talk to Jacques Martin? Did you talk to George Gillette? Did you talk to Pierre Boivin? Uh, did you go party with your family? Did you go party with your friends? Talk to me about all that. The next 40 yeah, hours. So, yeah. So you, yeah, you, you walk down the stairs, you get on stage, you, they give you your jersey, they give you your hat, you walk down and then Dominic Sayan at the time, you know, brings you to the back. And then there's, I don't know, 100, 150 uh, media members there and, you know, they all have their questions. So I, I think that took about an hour. And after that, um, you know, there, there's other rooms in the Bell Center. And then you, you sign like hockey cards, jerseys, pucks, take pictures and all that. That takes another, I don't know, another hour, two hours. And then by the time, I don't know, it was probably like 11 o'clock, um, left the Bell Center, you know, went out with my friends that night, um, you know, had a few drinks, celebrated. And, you know, it was, it was pretty it was pretty fun. You know, all my friends were there and we had a great time. The next day was round two. And Jacques Martin had invited me to, you know, sit with them at the table for round two to would have been 11 back then, 12. Anyways, I, I don't remember how many rounds there were, but um, so I'll, I sat I'll, there. I'll get it in a second. Hold on a second. I'll get it in a second. It, yeah. Round seven. It was still seven. Yeah, I thought I thought there I were more seven rounds. rounds. Yeah. Anyway, so. Louis, we don't uh, hear you. We don't hear you. You hear me now? I don't hear you. Hello? Tony? Hello? You hear me? I hear you now, yep. Okay, very good. Sorry about that. All right, don't know what happened there, but uh, it looks like there was seven rounds, Louis. Uh, Seven rounds, 211 picks. Actually, the Canadians had the last pick. Pateri Simola. A goalie out of Finland, 211. So it was seven rounds. So hold on a second. So Jacques Martin invited you to sit with him at the draft table. You sat throughout the entire day? I sat throughout maybe, I don't know, the next two, three, four rounds, right? And then I left. Hold on a second. Louis, what time did you get home that night? (laughs) You mean that morning? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What time did you get home? Uh, I don't know, probably three, four, five. I don't remember. It, it was a late night. It was wow. fun. Yeah, I got, I got to the Bell Center the next morning. Um, and then I, I, I sat with Jock for, for a few rounds. And I went up to the Canadians box um, and just sat with, you know, other members of the organization. We chatted. And then at the end of the draft, Canadians hosted a, a nice dinner for all the families, all the players that got drafted. That's nice. So that was at four or five o'clock. And yeah. then, um, you know, that night... I, I had a family dinner, just, you know, celebrate again because the night before it was so late that, you know, my parents did not come party with me. Um, but um, so that night we had another family dinner and then that was the Saturday, the Sunday we went back. I went back to Kirkland, you know, dust settled a little bit. There was, you know, still media interviews and all that. And then I believe the next Wednesday, the development camp started in Brussels. Wow. Um, From yeah. the moment you got drafted at that point, 
Does everybody recognize you? Like when you leave your house, when you get in your car, when you're driving, when you go to places, are people looking at you in the restaurant and saying, see that guy? That's the guy that Canadians drafted. Yeah, I mean, the, the following days, yes, because it was all over the news. You know, every every news outlet had me on yeah. the front page, every paper. I remember, and I still have copies of those at home. They're good memories to have. And uh, But yeah, I mean, you go out to a restaurant and, you know, the bar guy or the manager says, you know, drinks on me. You know, you don't have to pay for any. Like, it's just... Yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely, you know, special and you don't you know, you don't realize it back then. But like nowadays, like you got to I got to pay for my beers, right, or, or whatever. Yeah. I do, right? So, um, but yeah, it was it was special. I mean, everywhere in Montreal that summer, everybody knew me, you know, I'd be skating and you have like hundreds of kids just watching you skate and whether Pierre Fon or Dollard. And it was cool. It was definitely something that you can't really prepare for as <laughs> growing up. But um you know, I, I that I, I really knew what it meant to be, you know, drafted by the Canadians then and, and, and experience all that. Yeah, you don't have to pay for all your beers because I'm going to end up sending you a, a case of 8.6, which is intense by nature. You're really going to love it. All right. OK, so thank you. Uh, it, it comes in, in different percentages of alcohol. This one here is 7.9 percent. Is that good? Beautiful. Are you all having right. one right now, Tony, or? Eh? No, no, not right now, but I, I will later this afternoon when I'm going to be hanging out in my spa. But anyway, yeah. that's another story for another day. Um, you took a very important decision, all right? Well, well, first of all, the development camp. How did it go? Good. I mean, you know, the development camp is, is made for, for the team, the, you know, all the scouts, the coaches. To, they really get to know the players. I mean, only a few play, only a few, you know, like Trevor Timmons knew me and maybe other scouts. But, like, the coach doesn't really know you. The other, you know, the, the, the GM might have seen you play, may not. So I think that that week is really for the team to to get to know the players and, and see them on the ice for the first time all together. So it was a good week. You know, there's physical testing, on-ice testing, off-ice testing, um, scrimmages. And, and it went well, honestly. It was short. Um, but, you know, there was nothing too crazy that came out of it. You took a very important decision. It was to go play that season, the following season, after the draft uh, at Harvard. And you stayed for one year. And then after that, you went to the Montreal Juniors and the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. I think there was a lot of pressure from a lot of people to try to get you there. Um, when you look back, and I know hindsight is twenty twenty, do you wish you would have stayed at Harvard? Yeah, I mean, Tony, obviously this is a question that, you know, many have asked me. Um, you know, looking back, probably for my hockey career, it would have been better to stay and develop and take my time, you know, not in the spotlight, you know, that I did in Montreal with, with yeah. Harvard, the Harvard program and, and coach Donato. And, and I know at the time, you know, many NHL executives didn't think Harvard was a, a good place for, for hockey development. And, you know, over the years, coach Donato has proven them wrong, you know, with developing Adam Fox, who's not a bad hockey player. Yeah. John Marino, Ryan Donato, Alex Kerfoot, Alex Killorn, right? Wow. Like those are not, those are not just average hockey players. Right. No, so, no. Um, so I, I think the tide has changed. Right. And, and, and NHL teams are respecting the program. And, but at the time it wasn't, you know, Many teams, like even at the combine, were saying, "Why are you going to Harvard? You're wasting your time. It's not a, it's not a hockey program. It's, you know, it's obviously a great school, but it's if you really want to be a hockey player, right? That that was a big question. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, looking back, I mean, you know, probably should have stayed, but 
you know, I could also turn it around and say, well, if I went back, maybe I wouldn't have played in the National Hockey League, right? Like, oh, yeah, like no really, yeah, right. Yeah, so, I don't want to. I don't want to confuse you even more here. We're just obviously having. Yeah, yeah, no, it's yeah. When I look back, and uh, you know, I, I I think you should have stayed at Harvard too because you you needed to beef up a little bit. And the right. one thing I know from the schools in the states, obviously, is you don't have very long hockey seasons. You don't play that many games. I think you play games in the 30s, right? Mid 30s or whatever it is. Yeah. But you spend a lot of time in the gym, right? And you work on your body and you have time to develop physically and mature. You're usually in those programs for about four years. You have time. You don't burn yourself out. I mean, junior hockey is great, I think, for the McDavid's and the McKinnon's of this world who are just, you know, hockey machines and they need to play and they need to play and they already have maybe that kind of body. Right. Um, but I think you needed to physically mature. And I think you were better off at Harvard than you were in the Quebec major junior hockey league. Would you agree with that assessment or? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, um, looking back that that's probably a fair assessment. Um, so yeah, I mean, every player has different development curves. Yeah. And, um, but you know, I, yeah. Louis, did you did you feel pressure to leave Harvard and to go play Quebec Major Junior Hockey because a lot of people were telling you oh, Harvard's not very good for hockey and right. maybe yeah, some yeah, were telling yeah, you internally with the Canadians that they wanted to see you closer to home maybe or yeah I mean there's definitely pressure from from everyone right I was a first round pick for the Canadians a French French Canadian that grew up in the area the Canadians at the time were struggling right they needed a new new blood a new new player to come in and and help them out and you know it was my world junior year as well i had got cut the year before and the reason why well one of the reasons is because you know I, I didn't play enough games and all that stuff so you know with the canadians they thought it would be a better opportunity and better for my development to to leave harvard and, and sign with a junior team it didn't have to be the montreal juniors but mm -hmm. um and then make the world juniors that year which i did which was a great experience you know yeah um, so, I mean, I think there's a lot of different factors that went into that decision, but ultimately it was, you know, for my hockey development and, yeah. and the, people, the people that were around me and, and, and giving me advice, that was the best decision at the time, right? Yeah. So, now, probably one of the best things about Harvard was, and you correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know this for a fact, but you probably had a scholarship and by doing one year, were you able to go back? Because I know you completed your studies in 2019. Right. Were you yeah. able to go back and 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 ride off of that scholarship? Right. So, so Tony, the way it works, the Ivy League schools in the U.S. do not offer sports scholarships. Right. Oh, really? oh that's right. Ivy's yeah, correct. Okay. So, so even if Connor McDavid wanted to go to Harvard, if if his family could afford it, he would have to pay. Right. Like, wow. Okay. That's just that's just the way it works. Yeah. So, um. You know, and, and the way they do it is they look at your family income, your net worth, and they give you they give you a price essentially, right? You're a you make this, we think you could afford this. This is the price, right? So, so that's how it works. But the nice thing about Harvard, like you said, once you get in, you could always go back, whether it's five years, ten years, twenty years down the road, right? You okay. need you need to tell them why you left and what you were doing, yeah. And if the story makes sense, you know, which it did, I left to play in the NHL and 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 pursue my my you know my childhood dream you know they, they welcomed me back and you know i was fortunate enough to graduate work with the hockey team for three years you know skated with guys helped out you know a guy not taking credit for adam fox because he's you know a magician out there and you know but 
you know, worked with Adam Fox, John Marino, Alex Kerfoot, Ryan Donato, all these guys, I was able to, you know, help them as, as an assistant coach, essentially, and wow. stay involved in hockey. And it was a great experience. So, um, yeah. Now you're working in Boston right now after completing your studies in 2019 at Harvard, you graduated from, uh, from what exactly? Uh, degree in economics um, and sociology. And now I'm working at a company called Oliver Wyman. And um, it's a management consulting firm. And um, I mean, they're, they're all over the world. There's a, there's a comp- there's an office in Montreal. Uh, but yeah, I'm in Boston. I'm doing that. Essentially what I do is I, I work for private equity firms looking to acquire um, companies and we do due diligence work. So we look at their financials, we conduct interviews, we conduct market surveys, and we essentially recommend um, if they should acquire or not the company. Louis, after talking with you, you're obviously a very intelligent uh, gentleman. Um, you can offer family so much because you are a former National Hockey League player uh, who was drafted 18th overall in the first round by his hometown team. You got to experience what it was, the pressures of playing in the city that you live in. Uh, you took decisions to go to Harvard. You took a decision to leave and go to the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. You saw how it impacted your life both positively and negatively, you can offer a lot to a lot of families. Do people pick up the phone and call you and say, hey, Louis, my son is in this situation. What do you think? Does that happen? Yeah, they do. they do for sure. And I've, you know, over the last few years, I've spoken to many families. I still do, you know, on a regular basis, helping out, you know, some kids that are in midget and, and figuring out what they're trying to figure out. Like, you know, do I go to juniors? Do I go to college? Do I go to the prep school? Do I go to USHL? Right? Do I go to BCHL? And, and I, I find joy in, in helping these families and talking to the parents, talking to the kids and figuring out, you know, what they actually want and, and what the best way to to achieve that. Right. So, you know, I think with my background, I've I've been able to play in most leagues. You know, I played in midget. I played in the USHL. I played in the Q. I played in the American League. I played in the NHL, played in Europe. So, you know, like I said, I find joy helping these families. I know it's. um it's a hockey's a complicated world. It's it's complex. There's a lot of people involved. There's a lot of paths that lead to, you know, wherever you want to end up. So, um, yeah. you know, looking back, my family didn't have you know much help, but you know it worked out. But you know we had an agent back then, and um, but there's just so much to know. It's it's impossible to really know exactly what's happening. Yeah. All right. Okay. Let's take a look. You know, the the draft is going to be on Thursday. And uh, here in Montreal, of course, you're in Boston, but you're probably hearing about it. The big discussion is whether or not the Canadians are going to draft Shane Wright or Uri Slavkowski or actually surprise everyone and end up drafting Logan Cooley with the first pick overall. But those are pretty much the consensus top three. Um, No one knows who's going to go number one yet. Shane Wright has been the projected number one pick for the last four years, with the exception of the last three months, right? It gets to it gets to now, and now all of a sudden everyone's saying, "Well, Slavkovsky was great at the Olympics, and he was great at the World Championships. He's number one." Uh, if you could have a word with Shane Wright leading up to the draft, and he's hearing all these things left, right, and center, what would you tell him? I mean, I, I think the most important thing is just to block all of that out, right? Like he's he's been a great player, or whoever gets drafted, right? For that for that matter, like. These guys are elite hockey players, the best, best in the world, best in their age group. And it's just to block all this stuff out, right? Like whether you get picked one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, like, yeah, it's great. You want to be the number one overall pick, but like, 
these guys have performed their whole life. And this is just one day in their life, right? It's a big day. It's an important day. But, you know, if they're able to block all that out and just focus on what really matters is, is you know, putting the puck in the net, making assists, making their teammates better and, and contributing to a team, I think they'll be fine, right? Like that's at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. Can an 18-year-old start in Montreal? Let's say they, they draft Shane Wright. Where would yeah. you want to see him play next season? I mean, I'll be honest. I have never seen him play. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know how good he is. If, if yeah. he, is he ready physically? Is he ready mentally? All that, you know, those are question marks for me. But, you know, beside the, forget all that. You know, I, I think what's important is the player is going to have to be well-rounded with, you know, good leadership, good mentors. Um, he's coming into a city that's, you know, looking for a superstar, right? The Canadians have struggled a little bit over the last few years, up and down. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. Are they, are they rebuilding? Like, like, I don't really know. But what I know is that the player coming in is going to have a lot of pressure. And, you know, as you know, Tony, fans are not, you know, forgiving in Montreal. They want results immediately. And the day he steps into Brossard or the Bell Centre in Montreal, like, they're going to expect results immediately. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. Um, it may take time. It may take a few months. It may take a few years, but unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at the Montreal market is, is that is the way it is. And that's why uh, if he's the guy, I'd like to see the Canadians. And I know I'm probably not in the majority here. I'd like to see him send them back uh, for another year of junior hockey, because this is what I know. You know, he was not a dominant player in the Ontario hockey league. I believe he finished eighth in scoring. He was good in the playoffs, but he wasn't dominant there either. He missed out on just over a year of hockey due to the cancellation of the OHL because of COVID. Uh, and, and, you know, Montreal is a different animal than any other city or any other team or organization and media and expectations and pressure. And, you know, it would probably be a difficult situation for him to come in at 18. Having said that, you know Montreal, you lived it. Like you said, the beers are on the house. You don't have to pay for the drinks. Uh, you're a rock star everywhere you go. You're a hot commodity. People start looking at you. You're in everyone's eye. How do you think an organization should insulate a player who's going to come in, probably be, dra be drafted at first overall, have rock star status right away when he gets here, whether they bring him in year one or year two, how would you, Louis LeBlanc, knowing what you know, want to insulate a player like that who's probably not from here, right? So you were from here. You got to stay with right. your family. But either of these players will not be from Montreal. In your world, how should they insulate this player? Right. I, I think the first idea comes to mind is, is what the Pittsburgh Penguins did with, with Sidney Crosby, right? Like he stayed yeah. with Mario Lemieux, right? And... Living with a guy like that who's a Hall of Famer, a winner at all levels, arguably one of the best players of all time. They took Sydney and they, you know, basically said, you're living in Mario's basement. Or Mario said, you're coming to live with me, right? I mean, I, I think Mario yeah. owned the team at the time. So, yeah. Um, you know, will Montreal do that? I don't know. Who, who is that guy in the Canadians or in the organization that, you know, could take him under his wing? I don't know, right? Is it Josh Georges? If you can, yeah. Josh Georges did that with Brendan Gallagher, yeah. right? And yeah. And Brendan turned out to be a, a pretty solid NHLer. Exactly. Right. So, so that's another example, right? So I, I think the Canadians definitely have to um, consider that whoever the 
whoever they pick and they have to find somebody in the team that's willing to, you know, take on the role of a mentor essentially and, and showing the kid the ropes. Right. I know, um, you know, they have a few guys that could probably take on that role. Maybe, maybe a guy yeah. like Brendan Gallagher, right. Who, who knows, you know, live with Josh and, you know, maybe able to, to bring that on to the next kid. Yeah. I remember, um, I think with Galchenyuk, I think Galchenyuk has had his parents move to Montreal and he lived yeah. with them. Again, there's different, there's different ways to do it, but I think living with a former player or a player that's on the team could really help uh, one's development. Here's a picture with you with Bob Gainey. Let's bring it up when you were drafted. There you go, who was the then general manager of the Montreal Canadiens. Louis, it's a tough question, but, and, but you're a big boy, so I'm going to ask it. When you look back, would you have rather you weren't drafted by the Canadian. And then once again, I know like we don't have a crystal ball. We don't know what your career would have become, but you're 31 years old. You could still be playing in this league right now, but you've been retired since 2016. When you look back, do you think that as cool as it was a hometown kid to be drafted by his hometown team, that it probably wasn't the ideal situation for you? Yeah, probably not the ideal situation, but do I regret it? No, because the moments that I've lived are, I have no words to describe that, right? Like it's, it's memories that I'll have forever. I wore the Canadians jersey for 50 games. Um, you know, not many people could say they have done that. And nope. yes, of course, of course, playing a thousand games in the NHL and, and making $30 million is obviously very, um appealing and then you know I, I think everybody would want that but you know what i've learned you know throughout my time with the canadians the three-year contract that i had the ups and downs with with hamilton bulldogs the canadians like i'm just a better person today and um, i'm proud to have worn the jersey and you know yes another team might have been better who knows but yeah I, I'm, I'm very um humbled and um, thankful for, for the opportunity that they've given me. No, no, you're right. Making $30 million is pretty cool. That's why I decided to continue with the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Louie, if you don't mind, we have some people that, you know, have a couple of questions for, for you. Sure. You know what you just said, Louie? I'm glad you said what you said, and I'm going to tell you why. Because you know that the word bust is prevalent when people talk about draft picks, right? You hear that, right? He's a draft star. He's a draft bust. Yeah, And it's the hardest league in the world, right? It's the best league in the world. The National Hockey League is the 700 best hockey players in the world. And if you play one game in the NHL, it's one game more than I played because I wasn't good enough to play in the National Hockey League. And the fact that you played 50 games, unfortunately, you're going to have some people sitting on their sofa saying, you was a draft bust. The reality is, you played in the best league in the world. And how many can say that? I mean, yes, I, I, I agree. And, you know, I obviously hear that word. And every June or I guess now July, the drafts in July, like yeah. you know, I'll be on a list of players that, you know, the Canadians drafted and didn't turn out the way to be. And, you know, somebody yeah. will write a blog or an article and blah, 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 and, and all that stuff, which is fine, right? Like that's that's the reality of it. But but it hurts, though, eh, Louis, to read stuff that obviously it's it yeah. Hurts. I mean, it definitely hurts. But I, I know deep down that I've done I've done everything I could, right? And and you know, if I had 
gone out every night drinking and partying and not working out and not training and not skating and just, you know, just slacked off for, for the, the whole career. And, and the people who know me well know that I, you know, work super hard at everything I do and, and give it my best. Right. So the cards played out the way they did and I have no regrets, you know, should I have done stuff differently? Yeah. You always looking back, you could, you know, adjust things that you've done, but at the time with the information that I had and, and, you know, whatever the plan was at the time, I stuck to the plan and, and did what I could. Right. So the yeah. word bust, yeah, it's definitely not fun to hear, but the people saying that are usually people not in the business and the people probably have yeah. never played either. Right. So it is what it is. Fans in Montreal are, are, are passionate and they're allowed, they're entitled to their opinion and, and that's yeah. fine. That, that's, that's totally fine. Right. So I have yeah. no, no remorse and I have no hard feelings against, against those words. No, and I'm happy you said what you said because uh, a lot of your former teammates, and I'm not just saying this because you know this is true, a lot of your former teammates have gone on record. They've actually done interviews, they've done podcasts, and they've said it. You're one of the hardest working guys on the ice and off the ice that they have ever seen. And so you you did what you had to do in that respect for sure. If you're liking this podcast, if you're loving this podcast, comment sick right now on all social media channels we're going where we are live on twitter right now and we are live on youtube and we are live on facebook so if you love it comment sick if you have questions for louis leblanc i'm going to keep louis for uh, another seven or eight minutes here if we can get in your questions right now let's go to them louis okay ethan says do you still keep up with the habs i do i mean i still i don't watch every game when i have the opportunity i do watch um I follow the news, you know, I, I, I Twitter, Instagram, RDS, TV, Aspal, you know, I, I, I look at what's happening. I definitely follow them more than other teams, but yeah, you know, the that I watch every game. I just don't have time right now. Yeah. Follow the sick podcast too, because we're going to have some. I big will, I will. No, right, I will. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, next Scott Ray. Can you ask Louie who is the best player he has ever played with? That's that's an interesting question. Um, I mean, on the Canadians, honestly, I have to say Carey Price. Yeah, um, he is amazing. Like he's obviously he's a goalie, so you know maybe you were looking for a forward or a defenseman, but like he is, um, he's a competitor. He's a winner. He, you know, you'll shoot on him, and every puck he wants to stop every puck, right? And even if you have an open net, and you just like kind of like dog the shot like he is diving for the puck in practice so like I was super impressed by Carrie and you know I know he hasn't had an easy time in the last few years but you know yeah I think he's the best goalie in the world for sure have you been watching Caulfield and Suzuki I have they are yeah. they are uh, they're they're unbelievable they're dynamic. Really, eh? they're having fun on the ice um again coffee Caulfield's a, a college kid right so um yeah, they're great. I mean, I think the future of the Canadians is great with those two guys. Hopefully they could build around them, add a few more pieces, but they are they are very dynamic, and I think that's what the, the, the Canadian fans want. A few more questions. Let's go. Uh, this coming from Alessandro Itzi. Hey, Louis, which Habs player were you looking forward to see and play with? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I mean, there, there's a bunch of guys that I played with in Montreal that were – that were all special, right? Like guy like PK Subban was, was super fun to play with dynamic. You knew every time he would come to the rink, 
he would bring his game, right? Like it was not always pretty, but he would show up and, and compete. Guys like Mike Camilleri were elite scorers, right? Like learned so much from him. Um, a guy like Scott Gomez, obviously, when I was there, he was not performing, but like just a guy with experience, right? I think he won two cups with Jersey. Just guys like yeah. locker room guys with so much, so much knowledge around the game that a guy like me coming up, you know, it was just just really impressive. Poor guy. When I think about it, I gave it to Gomez pretty pretty good back in the day. I think everyone did, but you know, as much money as he was making, he must have gone through hell not having scored a goal and how many games it was. I even lost count and stuff like that, but a lot of pressure when everyone in the entire city, including members of the media, is saying five games without a goal, 10 games without a goal, 20 games, 30 games, 40 games, 50 games. Not fun. No, it's not fun. And then what people have to realize is like Scott wasn't coming to the rink and saying, I, like, I hope I don't score again tonight, right? Like it wasn't – Of course like not. He, Right, like he, he, like every player is proud, whether you're making 100 grand or 10 million, like you want to perform, you're wearing a jersey, like it's not fun for you, it's not fun for your family. So like, yeah, every player wants to perform and, and, and they're proud players. So it, it was definitely not fun for anyone. Yeah, I wish I could take back some of those things I said, Scott. My apologies. I was just trying to get good ratings. All right, um, next <laughs> Members of the media could be jerks sometimes. Uh, John Laurie, would you ever come back as a coach? I think so. I, I mean, you know, it's definitely something I consider. I've, you know, when I retired from hockey, I went back to school and I, yeah. I was an assistant coach with the Harvard team uh, for three years. So that was a lot of fun. Gave me a taste of what coaching was like. Um, maybe, maybe down the road. I mean, I have no, no um, immediate plans. But, you know, maybe if the right opportunity comes around, I, I, I may consider it for sure. All right. Why don't we do this? Three more. Very quick. MG, Louis, thank you for doing this question. What are your best memories from the draft in Montreal when you were drafted? Just just meeting the organization, meeting some of the alumni like Gila Fleur and, you know, just Hall of Famers of the Canadians, right? We're there at the draft and they, you know, at the, at the dinner the next day, they were all there, you know, shaking your hand and, and yeah. welcoming you to the Canadians organization. I think that is yeah, something so special and something I'll never forget. Yeah. Look at my Lafleur chair right there in the corner. You see it? I do. Beautiful. That's my Lafleur chair. Yeah. Uh, love the flower. Two more. Uh, here we go. Yannick or Yanni, pardon me. What exactly would you have done differently? Good question. Um, I mean, I, I know we talked at the beginning of the podcast, Yeah, you know, staying in school versus not staying in school. You know, looking back, probably stay in school for another year. I, I yeah. think that would have been that would have been the first you know thing I would have changed. Louis, here's the last one for you. Uh, Matt says, hi, Tony, sick podcast. Can you ask Louis the difference in difficulties between the USHL, NCAA, and the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League? So... The NCAA is a much older league, right? Players typically go in as a freshman. You know, there's obviously the 18-year-old freshman, but, you know, most will go in as 19, 20, even 21-year-old, right? So guys are a lot more mature, um, physically stronger. So that that's one big difference between the Q and college hockey. The difference between college, uh, the, uh, the junior major and the USHL, kids are the same age group. The high-end talent will probably go the junior major route, right? You won't get a Connor McDavid going to the USHL, so you won't have that elite, elite player. 
But, you know, I, I think they've done games in the past. Like the Ramparts have played, I think, the Omaha Lancers. And I forget who won, but, like, it was close hockey, right? It, was, it wasn't a blowout on either side, I believe. So they're both very good leagues, both intense. Um, and, and players want to play in the NHL at the end of the day, right? So, um, yeah, I, I think those are the main differences. All right. If I can, in ending, I'd like to bring up the producer, Sammy, and our CEO, his father, Agnello. Guys, come up. I want to bring you up here for a second. How are you? I think they live, uh, they, they, they live pretty close to your parents in Kirkland, Quebec. My question to you is, when are you coming down from Boston to Kirkland so we can have a barbecue? At Agnello's, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think in August. So if, if, if I'm around for, for a few extra days, I'll definitely give you guys a call and be happy to, uh, to have an 86 beer, right? It's called 86. 8.6. <laughs> I'm going to get you your case of beer. The second you get down, you let me know and I'll deliver it to your parents' house. There'll be a case waiting for you there and a case at Agnello's house when you come for the barbecue. We're on, make, okay? We're yeah, on. Make Thank sure you. you call us. Make sure you call us. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Louis, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. One of the guys that I've, I really, um, um, really respected the most since I've been in the media because uh, you've always been great with members of the media and always been great with me. And, uh, and thanks. I hope you had as much fun doing this as I did today. I did. Thanks again. Anytime, Tony. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good one, Louis. All right. This coming in from Matthew Jarvis. We'll bring it up. Louis, have a great day. Just like Thank Tony, you. this podcast and Louis are sick. Best of luck in your future endeavors, Louis. All right. The message is out there. I'm Marinaro. This is the sick podcast. This podcast is sick. I tried telling you for a couple of years, it's only going to get better. Wait till you see and hear what we have stored during the hockey season. My God. Mamma mia. All right. Follow us on all social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's absolutely free. I'm Marinaro. Who's better than me? Nobody. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast with Tony Marinaro on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by 8.6, intense by nature.